is Jimmy Scroggins. I'm the lead pastor at Family Church in West Palm Beach, Florida. Are you tired of going to conferences, reading books, and listening to speakers who tell you how to do church when you know that you cannot do what they are recommending? You've come to the right place on our podcast. We're going to give you principles, strategies, and ideas that you can implement right now with the resources you have at your church because this is church for the rest of us. Steve Wright, and I'm with Jimmy Scroggins today, and we're back for Church for the Rest of Us podcast. Today, we're going to continue our conversation of our mixed model, and we've been talking a lot about the different strategies because we want to have a lot of hooks in the water as we seek to reach South Florida for Christ. And one of our strategies here at Family Church is a seed church model, and it's a strategy that we haven't, Jimmy, completely figured out, but it's something that we're trying to do. We're learning. We're learning. And so we do a lot of that. So I'd like for you to unpack that a little bit. And before we talk about what it actually is, I would like for you to explain to our listeners today why we're actually trying this strategy. Well, you said we have a mixed model, and that's exactly right, Steve. So we're doing all kinds of things, trying to reach every neighborhood in South Florida. So we we participate in autonomous church planting, independent churches. We do multi-site. We see that as a strategy for church planting. And then we do these seed churches, which have really become important to us. But as you said... Uh, we're learning, we're experimenting with these things. Now, here's why we come up with this mixed model and why seed churches are so crucial. We have decided we are not going to reach South Florida only with the traditional launch large strategy. A launch large strategy looks like this. You find the most talented superstar church planner that you can. Then you raise funding for that guy. He pulls a team together, sometimes a multiple staff team before they even start. Everybody moves to South Florida where they're going to plant their church, and they begin to have interest meetings and events and block parties and advertise and mail outs. And uh, then they have one day when they try to gather as many people as they can for the, for the big launch. And so they would set a goal of 200 or 400 or 800 at their launch, knowing that the next Sunday they're going to go down by at least 50%. So if you start with 400, the next Sunday you're hoping to have 200. And then that becomes kind of your base that you're launching from. And then you've got to grow that group large enough over the next two to three years to be financially sustainable. By financially sustainable, I mean you can pay your rent from whatever facility you're renting. You can pay for all of your equipment, your ministry expenses, your own mail outs, your own coffee and donuts. Plus, you're going to pay a multiple staff team and a middle class lifestyle in the neighborhood where you're trying to reach. And all of that means you're probably going to have to raise between two and four hundred thousand dollars a year. You can raise that money probably for three to five years from other churches and people that you know if you're well-connected and you're super talented. And then at the end of that three to five-year period, your support runs out and your church budget needs to be based on your actual church giving. And that puts planters in an awkward position because instead of running after the lostness in their neighborhood, foremost on their minds is how do I attract enough givers to make Hmm, this whole enterprise financially sustainable? And that is a way to plant It's actually a successful way to plant, and it's a way that we are using to plant. We actually think this is a good way to plant some churches. The problem is a church like ours at Family Church, and most churches that we know, are only going to be able to do one of those every two years or every three years. We can only financially support it. And frankly, those superstar planners with the kind of networking capability and fundraising capability and magnetic personality are really difficult to find, and you can't. You can't attract enough of those guys and you can't attract enough money to do enough of these fast enough to reach the 7 million people in South Florida. 
Yeah. So a lot of North American, you know, some of the, some of our models that we have today, obviously there's a, it comes with a price tag and, you know, not, not that the seed church strategy is just about pragmatics. I mean, this is actually something that we see in the Bible a lot, right? We know that the early apostles and in the book of Acts, when we're, the disciples were planning these churches, they didn't have a lot of resources and a lot of money. And so when we look at what we're trying to do with these seed churches, this is actually something that is in uh, the Bible, it's in the New Testament. It's, it was a, a clear mark of distinction for the early church. And so, Jimmy, unpack that a little bit and talk to us about what a seed church actually is. Well, a seed church is not a church. So a seed church is attached to a church. It operates under the authority and under the responsibility and the stewardship of an already established church. We like to call, we've kind of started calling the church that sponsors the seed church an umbrella church. Right. Well, the umbrella church, in this case, uh, family church, we're, we're going to plant some seeds in neighborhoods that we want to reach. And this is a seed that we hope one day will grow into a campus or a church. But right now it's not a campus or a church. It is operating under the umbrella, under the family leadership of family church. And so we want to take these seeds of churches and plant them in neighborhoods that we want to reach, or we want to take them and plant them among a people group that we want to reach. So for instance, right now we have a seed church that's about to launch as a campus in Boca Raton, one of the hardest places to reach people in the whole United States. But we also have a seed church that's trying to reach Russian-speaking people, Slavic people in South Florida. We have a couple of others that are trying to reach Portuguese-speaking people. We have some others that are trying to reach Spanish-speaking people. We have one that's trying to reach Creole-speaking people from Haiti. And so some of these are targeting people groups and some of these are targeting uh, neighborhoods. But we do these, we want to plant the seed in a neighborhood or among a people so that one day hopefully it will grow into a church or or a a campus. Yeah. So Jimmy, you know, a lot of our listeners today, when when they hear this concept or this term seed church, I mean, this is like, what in the world have these guys come up with now? I mean, I mean, th- this is like maybe something they've never heard of. So I want you, if you don't mind, I mean, for a guy who this is a new idea and a new thought, I would like for you to talk to us a little bit like... If this is something that they're maybe considering or open to, how how would they actually start a seed church? Well, one of the things that we do, Steve, as you know, is we are looking for a person with a passion for a place. If we can find a person with a passion for a place, or if they're trying to reach a people group, a person with a passion for a people, mm-hmm. and we can find that guy, we can find that couple, then then they can begin to invest their life and plant their life as a seed, a gospel seed, a church seed, a campus seed among the neighborhood or among the people. And that's the most important thing. If you don't have a person with a passion for a place, all you have is an idea. (laughs) You're right. Okay. All you have is something on a prayer list. But when you find the person, now you've got something that you can work with. And here's what we're looking for. We're looking for conveners, we call them, people who have the catalytic ability to present an idea, hey, we want to reach this place, we want to reach this people. And they just have this unique ability to attract others yeah. into that vision. You and I have worked with people like that our whole lives. I mean, you know, it's the guy That's who right. says, like, Tuesday night, I'm going to have something over at my house. And you're like, you know, here it is Sunday. There's no way people are going to show up. And lo and behold, there's 50 people it's, at that exactly. guy's house. And, and, you know, you find these guys, there there are plenty of, some people just have this knack and you see them, whether they, they might be Christians, they not might not be Christians. Some some guys just going to go, hey, it's on the, amazing. On the, yeah, last minute, right. I'm having wings tomorrow night and we're watching the NBA finals. Right. 
and they're going to pack their house out because people just want to be around. <laughs> the them. whole neighborhood. Somebody mad else at them. plans a party for a month. Can't get anybody to show up. Right. Okay. Well, they both may have the same idea, the same passion. They may be really neat people. Watching the way. same game. But you got to find the conveners. Right. right. And so you got to identify that. The other thing is, once we find a convener, we have to train that person or help that person become an effective evangelist. So they've got to be trained and how to leverage their convening abilities towards the gospel to take that and help people understand the story of Jesus. And we want them to be evangelists. It doesn't mean they have to be the greatest soul winner on the planet, but they have to at least be an intentional, effective evangelist. And we want to teach them to make disciples so that they can take people who are new believers and actually lead them to walk down the road with Jesus. So we find these people, a person with a passion for a place or people that are conveners who are willing to be trained to be evangelists and disciple makers. And then they begin to give evidence of that. When we find these guys, when we find these men and women, now we're talking, now we're ready to begin to develop a seed church. And look, this isn't, these are not cookie cutter people. There's not just one type of personality or, or honestly, one ethnicity or Mm-hmm. Even, you know, different socioeconomic groups, different levels of education, it really doesn't matter. A convener with a passion for a place or a people who's willing to be trained to be an evangelistic disciple maker, we want to take as many of those as we can. The other thing that's great thing is about a seed church, you know, when Jesus told the parable of the sower, the sower takes the seed and casts seed far and wide, knowing for a fact that there's four different kinds of soils that the seed's going to hit. Correct. So we're going to throw as many seed churches out there as we can. And one of the beauties of seed, you know how we talked originally how the math doesn't work, like trying to find these guys that can raise a half a million dollars a year and multiply those exponentially. We can multiply a few, but not many. Seed churches don't cost any money because this guy doesn't take a salary. He already works another kind of a job. They're meeting in a home or a group of homes. They don't have a building. They don't have a children's minister. They don't have a music minister. If they do music, it's because somebody showed up and knows they can play the ukulele. I mean, these guys, <laughs> they, it doesn't cost money. They're not doing mail outs. They, these are just organic groups that are seeds among a people or a place. And we can have a lot of these because they don't cost money. It's just in our investment in training. Well, it's funny. My my Bible study class meets next to uh, our Russian church, Plant Our Seed Church. Right. And uh, the worship leader in there is a lady that plays the violin. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Do you and understand all the songs? I don't understand one word they're <laughs> saying. But, I mean, in that concept, in that way, I mean, she she's very affordable and she's really good and passionate. And they love her. That's yeah. what matters. And so talk to us a little bit, Jimmy on kind of help us understand the difference between a launch large and maybe what we're trying to get our seed churches to do. Yeah. When you have a launch large church, you're trying to gather as many people as you can for the one big launch day. And then you're trying to hang on to as many people as you can. And you're trying to create givers rapidly. Right. And you're trying to get a lot of them because, you know, the dirty math of church world and some of some of our listeners, you guys may think this sounds unspiritual, but let me just let me just tell you the dirty math that you have to do if you're trying to plant a launch large church. You have to come up with your budget, 100000 a year, 200000 a year, 400000 a year, whatever. And then you have to back that into a per head giving formula. So if you want to raise, if you ultimately want to have a budget of $400,000 a year, then you're going to have to have 400 people that give $1,000 a year. That's how you do it. $1,000 a year divided by 50, say you have, they come 50, they give 50 times a year, $1,000 a year, that's $20 every week. So you have to have 400 people 
that give $20 every week in order to have a $400,000 budget. Okay, so that's the dirty math of it. Well, the dirty math of a seed church is nothing. Right. Okay, it doesn't cost any money. Hey, you happen to have a Russian lady who plays the fiddle? Fantastic. She can lead worship. If she doesn't come next week or she moves back to Ukraine, then I guess we'll just sing they, without... They hit the tape box. Yeah, yeah. Then they bring their <laughs> seat. The yeah, exactly. They bring their jam box in, whatever it is. And so seed churches are so different. So here's what we're trying to do with seed churches. Okay. Instead of gathering large groups and givers... We want the seed church to hit some metrics for us. So they are striving. First, they're going to start a group. The person with the passion for a place convenes a group that begins to meet regularly for discipleship, worship, accountability under the leadership and authority of an umbrella congregation. And then their goal is to multiply that group. And we want them to drive towards having four different groups that meet during the week. And we want them to be made up of four different groups of people, not the same people meeting more times. And we want them to be led by four different leaders, not the one convener convening four different, you know. Mm, that's good. So I don't want, you know, Tom, the convener, hey, I've got four groups now. One meets on Sunday night, Tuesday <laughs> night, Wednesday night, Thursday night at my house. No, the convener has to find three other conveners in order to get started. Then you have four groups. And then we want them to try between these four groups to add up to about 50 or more adults. When we have four groups led by four leaders and 50 or more adults, they have to then create some evangelistic movement. So we want them to have multiple adult converts, people who have become believers through the ministry of these four groups, who have been baptized by the people in these groups under the umbrella leadership and authority of their umbrella church, but they are functioning and they can, because they're under the leadership authority of the Umbrella Church, they're they're conducting the ordinances. They can baptize. They can do the Lord's Supper. They can do uh, giving and stewardship under the under the systems that, right, the, right. That, the, that the Umbrella Church has. And so they've got four groups, 50 adults, uh, four different group leaders. They've got new believers, new converts who have been baptized, adult converts, and they have some financial stewardship taking place. So some of these people that are involved in these groups are beginning to give and become regular givers towards this seed church project. Well, that actually makes a lot of sense, Jimmy, because if you think about it, you know, a lot of our current models, we, we find this guy, we raise hundreds of thousands of dollars, we send him out. We really don't know if he's ever done anything like this before That's or not. Right. And we're just hoping that somehow, by the grace of God, that it works out and there's hundreds of people. And, and thankfully, sometimes it does. And thankfully, sometimes it does. But we call that, in football parlance, the Hail Mary strategy, the Hail Mary. right? We've talked That's about right. that before. right. Well, but this actually allows the church to continue to coach and lead and work with, you know, a potential church planner. And you actually get to see some of his leadership tested because he has to identify other leaders. He has to recruit other leaders and he has to train them, which if you're going to be successful as a church planner, that's that's good. To and have he has to keep them with it because these them. four groups have to keep going. Yeah. And, and that is so powerful, Steve, because, you know, there are certain personalities and certain guys who are good in a launch large arena. There's some other guys who just would never be able to do a launch large thing, but they can somehow pull these seed churches together. Yeah. It's amazing. And it gives other guys opportunities to lead because it, instead of, you know, only this superstar, super charismatic upfront leader is the only kind of a guy right. who can do a launch large. Well, Jimmy, you've got a real passion about not just reaching upper middle class and, and the affluent. I mean, one of the things that you like to talk about and remind our staff is how the C Church model can actually help us 
go into places that we typically would not even think about planting churches. Would you unpack that just a little bit? Well, you know, one of the one of the challenges for church planting is that everybody wants to plant churches in upper middle class, affluent, growing suburban areas. They're if, all if you, called to Raleigh, North Carolina. Yeah, yeah, or, or even even in West Palm, we have that too. Right. I mean, you can go out into Wellington, where where you and I live, or you can go into Palmish Gardens, or you can go to Raleigh, North Carolina, or Nashville, Tennessee, or Dallas, Texas. You go into the new exploding suburban areas, new neighborhoods, new shopping centers, all of that. If you go into the Starbucks on a Tuesday afternoon in one of those places, it looks like a church planner convention in there. All of these guys are in there with their laptops and they're all blogging and podcasting and, go, you know, whatever they do. Well, everybody wants to plant churches with the affluent because that's where you can afford to create a model that's financially sustainable. Well, that's fine. So we, I actually think we're always going to have the upper quartile of income earners covered. Okay. okay now we need to plant churches because right. they can fund a lot of things. But what about the other 75% of the people? You know, you come to South Florida, we have some of the wealthiest people in the world. We have some of the poorest people in the United States living right here in Palm Beach County. And that's true in every big city. Right. So who is going after the undocumented immigrant who are here by the by the thousands? And who is going after the inner city neighborhoods where there are no fathers in the homes? And who is going after these apartment complexes and trailer parks and condominium complexes, not the new ones where the where the new people are moving in, the old ones that were new 30 years ago. <laughs> right. Who is going after these people? And the answer is the Jesus people have to go after these people. Right. But you're not going to be able to do it with a model that requires you to attract hundreds of thousands of dollars of giving every year because the money is just not going to be there. Besides that, in most of these kinds of communities, they're very transient. So you're not going to have time to develop this person for three or four years while they develop into a long-term tither, they're going to be gone in six months or eight months. And we've got to go after these people. That's our great commission responsibility. A seed church strategy gives us a fighting chance to plant a church for very low cost because the seed church planner is already bivocational before he even starts. And and we have an opportunity to plant a, a church in communities that, that most church planning strategies are going to overlook. And honestly, the launch large strategy by necessity has to bypass these people because the only way to support the launch large strategy is to attract givers and they're not going to be there. Well, Jimmy, you and I have skint knees and battle scars and a lot of wounds from, you know, experimenting and trying these things. I mean, obviously we haven't completely got it all figured out and we're learning a lot every day, but you know, Along the way, the Lord has given us some successes, which, you know, we are certainly grateful and thankful. And I, I would like for you to talk a little bit about the uh, church that we planted this summer. And, uh, you know, back in June, we actually planted uh, a seed church in Boca. And so walk us through that a little bit so that our listeners can kind of get a little bit of an idea of what that actually looked like. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. There's this guy named Sal Calvaretta who is a, is a pastor. He's been in our community for some years. He actually he actually was in a situation with a sister church that, that we love, but he actually wasn't going to have the opportunity to continue working there and uh, in, a, in an amicable uh, and honorable way. But Sal really had a burden to plant a church, and so he began to pray to God and ask God to help him find a way to plant a church. He heard about what we're doing here in South Florida, he came and made contact with you, Steve, and made contact with me. And he and his family just started attending a family church. And one of the things that we always do when we meet these guys, we meet a lot of them, is we begin to give them some 
kind of uh, hoops to jump through just to see if they'll do it, you know, to see how serious sure. they are. Well, Sal, you know, he's a guy like, our, he's in his 40s. He's got, he's got, you know, children, some of them still in school, some of them grown. And Sal just begins to jump through whatever hoops we put out there. He just jumps through it. Come back and see us next week. Okay, here he is. Well, call me and make a lunch point. Okay, makes a lunch point. Well, you know, whatever we do. So Sal develops this relationship. He gets engaged in our process, and he begins to assemble and pull together a core group meeting in his home. And he kind of goes over and above because in addition to the, the, the seed church meetings he's having and developing in homes, he requires all of his leadership to attend family church downtown every Sunday, which is like almost a 40 minute drive from where these guys live. And every single Sunday for the last year, they have been bringing 30 or 40 people of his leadership. Well, it was important to him that that group of individuals built relationships and got the DNA of family church. And he believed in the concept. Yeah, he did. And so he developed that. Well, he has done all of these metrics. He has 50 adults uh, meeting in four different groups, four different leaders he has begun to have some monthly meetings. In fact, uh, Stephen, you and I are so excited. In June, uh, this group met for their very first preview <laughs> service. They had to meet at a Presbyterian church after the Presbyterian church let out on Sunday morning, which thank God the Presbyterians let us use their facility. We're very great. Very nice. It's awesome. And uh, they had 130 something people, adults and children, show up for this preview conference, for this preview service. And this is a deal where. This is not a launch large because we didn't do a mail out. We didn't buy a billboard. We didn't do a TV or a radio spot. This is just pure word of mouth from the small groups that they have in this seed church concept. And we're just really excited about what God's doing at Family Church Boca. Well, it's really a success story, and we're very excited to see it happening. You know, as we see these seed churches grow and flourish like this, it really gives us great hope as we're our vision moves us south throughout South Florida, because if we're going to plant the number of churches that we need to plant, we're going to have to have a model like this that is actually financially feasible. And well, Jimmy, one thing it lets us do, Steve, it's it lets us put more hooks in the water. It lets us have more. We can throw a lot of seeds into the ground doing it this way, right? Because the cost is primarily we give them a t-shirt or we have, you know, the cost is our sure. personal investment in them, which is our time and our investment, which we're glad to do. But it lets us do a lot more, a lot faster than trying to do all of these launch large, because we would only be able to do a few of those. So I really am passionate about this this concept. And I think, frankly, Steve, a lot of churches of all sizes could be doing this. A church of 200 could do a seed church. A well, church yeah, of 100 could do a seed church. I think that's where a lot of our listeners will probably identify with us because they they probably, they know that we really didn't, at the time when we started doing a lot of this, we had zero money. And if you look at where we are now, I mean, the budget money that we have, it's committed to things. So it's not like we have, you no. know, just this expense account where we can just, you know, blow out the money on this. And so this type of strategy allows every single church to get into the church planting business and I, I like it because, you know, limited resources don't have to limit our reach. Well, this and, is what Church for the Rest of Us is all about, because we think that every pastor listening to us today, every church of every size in a town, in a city, wherever you are, what you really need is not money and not a superstar talent to show up. What you need is a person with a passion for a place or a people and an idea. And we're hoping that Sea Church can be an idea that will spark something in our listeners where they can take this idea and run with it. And by the way, guys, 
you you come up with a an innovation that makes Seed Church go bigger, stronger, faster, please email us and let us know because we want to use your yeah, idea. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Jimmy, you know, this is really in our R&D box. And so there's a lot of things that we're trying. We know that it's worth a gospel risk. So talk to us a little bit about why that's important and why you think that every church could be doing something like this. One of the cool things about a Seed Church strategy is, is it's very, very low cost relative to a launch large strategy. And because it's low cost and we're throwing a lot of seed out there, they just don't all work. So some of our some of our seed churches appear to be working. We've got this one. We've got another one in Portuguese that we think is really going to work really well. But, you know, we've had a couple of them that we've tried to plant seeds into the ground of neighborhoods. And they've worked at it for a year or two years. And it just hasn't really worked out. The person, the, 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 the person with the passion for a place turned out not to be able to convene what he thought he could convene or what right, we hoped he could right. convene. Or because of different life circumstances and their family situation, it just didn't work out to go longer. And so we haven't all succeeded, but we know that going in. And part of R&D is it's not trying to succeed every time out. It's learning something every time out. And we're definitely doing that. And I think every church could be doing these kinds of things. Well, if the worst thing that happens through R&D is we go into a neighborhood and there are more gospel conversations. That's and people right. Hear, that's, a, that's a pretty good loss, isn't it? Uh, we'll take it every time. We'll take it. Well, I can't wait to see what happens. I'm excited. We have six or seven of these seed churches that we're planting right now that we're running after and trying to support, and we're praying that God would use them. We have a lot of tools that we've developed that we would like to share with our listeners. And if you go to Church for the Rest of Us, to our podcast where we have that listed, we would we'd love to have you check out those resources, and you can get the show notes as well. Also, we'd like to invite you to join us for Sharper 2018. It's going to be in March. We would love to have you sign up for you and your church. This is a this is a conference for pastors and their entire teams. We would love, love, love to have you come and join us for that. www.sharperconference.com. Correct. And listen, if if you are a podcast listener and you've benefited from these podcasts, or if you've benefited from some of the free resources that we've offered, we'd love to have your help. Our combined budget, Jimmy, for marketing this podcast is a combined what? Well, I think it adds up to zero. It adds up to zero. So we need your help. We need your help. And so we would like to ask our listeners if this has been a benefit or a blessing to you just to be willing to share it on social media or you can share it directly with your friends. And again, thank you for listening today for Church for for the Rest of Us. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. I'd love for you to follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Scroggins or check out FamilyChurchNetwork.com to chime in on our blog. We want your feedback on today's podcast. Plus, we want to know what you are doing because we want to learn from you too. Hey, until next time, this is Jimmy Scroggins and you've been listening to Church for the Rest of Us.